Hello, and welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. I'm Adam Huss, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening, and a huge thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Your support makes this podcast possible in practical, tangible ways, but also in really big and tangible ways that are just as important. And I couldn't do it without you, so thank you. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing to our Patreon, that link will be in the show notes and on the support page at organicwinepodcast.com. Now, for some episodes, I suggest grabbing a pen and notepad to jot down our guests' deep technical insights into viticulture and enology. For this episode, however, I suggest grabbing a glass of wine or smoking something relaxing, and prepare to go on a magical and at times hilarious journey to a special place on Earth. If you're operating machinery, driving, or responsible for children at the moment, skip the mind-altering substances and just, I don't know, pretend. Your guide on this journey is Jess Hopwood, and she has a lot of experience spoiling voyagers with amazing trips. She has been, among other things, a flight attendant on private jets, a butler on luxury yachts, and now runs farm-to-glass wine tours in the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia. The Okanagan is that special place on Earth. The furthest north location on the planet with a hot Mediterranean climate, the Okanagan centers on a lake that runs 81 miles north to south and is surrounded by beautiful towns, towering mountains, Mediterranean blue lakes, and wine. I have to admit, I was woefully ignorant of this area, but it has jumped to the top of my list of wine regions to visit, thanks to Jess. Jess guides us through the climate, the scenery, the history, and some of the amazing people, farming, and wines that can be found in the Okanagan. This is by no means an exhaustive accounting of producers who are doing great farming and making amazing fermentations. The Okanagan is a large and diverse region with much more to be discovered, but I think you'll be enchanted by even this short day trip. Jess visited me on a recent trip to Los Angeles and brought some unique wines from the Naramata subregion of the Okanagan. And we discussed these wines and their producers, and the beauty of this place where vines grow on benchland cliffs over the lake, and the land was named for a famous smile. The Okanagan is at the forefront of organic or better agriculture in Canada, and Jess focuses on small local producers who are doing this great farming. At the end of the day, before a final and refreshing dip in the lake, Jess takes us on a quick trip up the Similkameen, a river valley with sheer mountain walls that flows into the Okanagan and is known as the organic capital of Canada. So pour something adventurous and or light something inspiring and join me on this magical journey with Jess Hopwood. I thought we were recording. <laughs> now we are. Now we are. <laughs> Did you see the countdown? You're on. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to just I like that welcome. though, because like the beginning <laughs> ones are just the ones to like get the jitters out anyway. So... <laughs> I'm so glad you're jittery. That's very cool. I, I get a little oh, jittery too. Do you, I think, you stop it? You do not. Well, I mean, normally I do, but you know, since both of us have are working in exhaustion states, I you know, I like so they're a little less jittery. No, no, I do. I care about every every conversation I wanna like, you know, think about good questions to ask people and yeah, just think, you know, like I try, I mean, for me, it's like I want to talk to people that I want to talk to anyway. So, but then I want it to be, you know, there's this formal aspect of it so that I want to like, of course, ask questions that will be useful and entertaining and 
edificational edificational <laughs> for educational. Uh, everyone listening <laughs> uh, inspirational edificational inspirational um, yeah edifying yeah um i heard you know, um i lot, heard someone ex- explain at times uh, I, and the way they ran their business and i find a lot of uh comparison to it that like it's civilized elegance without being stuffy i want to be proper and educational but like none of the stuffiness, none of the snobbiness, just kind of like welcoming, inviting, and kindness kind of like at all times, inquisitive and curious, you know? Yeah, I do know. Yes, I think I know. I mean, I you think you know. <laughs> I mean, I've been listening to you for like a few years now, and I just, I see a lot of similarities in our values. And it was one of the reasons why I reached out when we decided to come down for a little like pre-season vacation getaway, because... I see your kindness and I see, I've seen your journey as you've grown as a person with this podcast in your own winery. And I just, you do really great things. And I kind of have this motto that like, you know, awesome finds awesome. And I think you're, you're doing great things. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to connect with you last month and kind of show you a little slice of what I think is heaven, which is our wine country and the Okanagan Valley and Smoking Valley. Yeah, well, I mean, you're convincing me for sure. (laughs) What did you say? You said your closest you've ever been to BC is Bellingham? Bellingham, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I lived out of my car for a a few months and and traveled up the West Coast and actually, like, did some day labor uh, sanding logs (laughs) in in Bellingham um, uh, just to make some money because I was like, you know, I had no money, so I just had to like, you know, work from town to town, so to speak, living out of my car. Um, and I, I mean, this is also tied to some of the magic, magical connection to, that I have to that area. It was like I, I mean, I was just, it was my first experience of an old growth forest. I, I just randomly, you know, just driving around and went to this place that we just, I don't know, I was with a friend and pulled over. I, I don't know if there was like a sign for it or something like that, but we were like, just, you know, wanted to take a hike and maybe it was on a map or something like that, but it was you know somewhere between Bellingham and Baker, uh, Mount Baker and just out in the forest. And it, and we went into this place and it was like, suddenly there was like mist everywhere. <laughs> it was like, you're just driving along and it's like, you're driving through the forest. And then it was like, we entered another realm. It was crazy. I mean, there was like yeah. moss, these massive trees, mist was like, floating around i was like you know was really expecting to see leprechaun like run through the shadows um, um, we... does the wenatchee forest sound familiar wenatchee because that wenatchee does forest. sound familiar yeah yeah and it, it, it's something that was preserved from logging because of like a, a study like a college study that was done years ago or you know or maybe it's an ongoing study but it was like hey we just want to study this like what and you know the ecology of you know old growth forest is and so they prevent you know luckily the college i don't know either bought it or got permission from government and so it wasn't logged so i don't know if that's the wenatchee but um it was like it wasn't huge it was just a little you know maybe i don't know how many acres but you know we hiked around for a while and ran into somebody who was um foraging for mushrooms and they were they they they're called angel's wings these mushrooms and they only grow on Douglas firs that have been dead for be, between 400 and 600 years or something like that, or 200 and wow. 600 years. 
so it was like you, we had to look for these old, huge old logs that were, you know, sort of partially decaying. And then these angel wings were coming out and we had a dinner of angel wings. <laughs> that sounds magical. It was. It was really amazing. It was truly amazing. Yeah. Um, and well, just we being, have a I lot mean, of forests like that up here in yeah. Columbia as well. And in fact, every highway is connected basically by old growth, new growth. We, there is... Um, a lot of unfortunate logging that does happen in our province. Um, but yeah. it is, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's I, as often well, as I drive that highway, too. the lakes are amazing. It's just, we're like Turquoise a little wonderland of paradise. Yes. It's just, it's, there's a lot of, um, there's a quite a few like silty clay lakes kind of in like little hidden pockets all throughout Um the province and like one of them quite often if i'm commuting from vancouver to the okanagan there's one just off of the uh, 97 connector called kentucky aline and it's so turquoise blue it's painfully beautiful and it's never that busy it's a provincial campsite and so quite often i will just like run in go for a swim cool off get changed get back in the car and like continue on and there are mm. lakes like that all over the place. And yeah. uh, the region where I do my business in is just a land of lakes. There's, you know, Okanagan Lake is kind of like the heart of the area uh, and yeah. our wine growing region. And I think it's, uh, well, I, fa- I have it in miles for you so that you can have an idea. Of what <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, it's... Where did I put it? Well, uh, and le- while you're finding that, let me orient people so you're jess hopwood <laughs> you run farm to glass wine tours um that's and me you, <laughs> and the farm to glass wine tours is your tour company wine tour company that you are operating in uh, and around the okanagan valley and i which is in canada just north of seattle and east of vancouver the southwest corner of canada and it's a unique spot in that I, I think it's probably climatically one of the furthest north on the planet um, regions that still has a hot Mediterranean climate. So, like somewhere that is like correct. The, right, and so it's you're behind. There's like a a cascade, like a cascade range that creates this rain shadow from the those cold northern Vancouver rainy winds. And then before the big mountains that I don't even know what they're called, maybe further like continuation of the Rockies that create the next big range that where all the Alberta ski mountains are like Banff and things like that, if anybody knows about those. But you, it's like this beautiful valley that sort of emulates like the Willamette Valley or the California Central Valley, like between the coastal range and the interior range mountains. Um, and in the center of that, there's this big beautiful lake that is how many miles long (laughs) 84 miles (laughs) (laughs) wow so it's massive and and along that lake there's all these beautiful little towns that are almost like little i mean they're like honestly like i was looking at pictures and maps and i was like every one of these is like a little martha's vineyard like this little you know port town but on a lake instead of an ocean and like um and then there's like 
vineyards on the cliffs on the benches next to the lake and places and i mean it just looks stunningly beautiful it looks incredible i know and it's hugged in the in the stop just vineyards we have apples and peaches and apricots and cherries so it's like you'll drive down like a few miles down the road and you'll see like everything just right now especially because everything's blossoming it's just it's it's, it's so beautiful i i can't express how no matter how many often days i do these tours and i up in the region every day you're just like looking and you can't wipe the smile off your face of how beautiful it is there mm. now you also say on your website that it is a leader in organic farming do you have any data to back that up <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, so <laughs> we actually do have over, I think it's over 40 either wineries or vineyards that are either certified uh, organic vineyards or organic wineries in our province. And oh. I do believe that that trajectory is actually going to be increasing a lot in the coming years. Um, we have great climate for organic farming. That rain yeah. shadow is a dream and quite often it's very dry. We can go a very long time without a single drop of rain. Um, right. and Plus that, that, oh, sorry, that latitude gives you probably a short spring as well because you have these very cold spells in the winter because of your latitude, but then it heats up pretty quick, right? Like you're right now it's May and you're talking, you might get a hundred degrees this week. We are definitely not so much in the northern part in like in Lake Country or in Kelowna, but a little bit further south um, in like Oliver and the Soyuz closer to the U.S. border. Yeah, it's going to hit it's going to hit 100 for sure, which which is about 38, C. 38 degrees Celsius for us Canadians. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's yeah. scary in a way, too. But that that definitely seems like a optimal place for uh, very, yeah, for like suppression of mildew and things like that. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, as like, you know, wineries tend to like, or grapes grow between like the 30th and 50th parallel. And in fact, our most northern winery in the Okanagan is actually called 50th parallel winery. It's just right, right at the very tip. <laughs> so. Well, it's so you say there's like 40 that are organic winery vineyard. How many vineyards are there? How many wineries are there in the area? So for, we have in our province, uh, 335 grape wineries. And okay. uh, that is probably for acreage, I think total right now, not everything. I haven't seen an update in the last couple of years, but I think we're close to about 13,000 acres total in our province wow. and 84% of that. So predominantly most of that is in the Okanagan Valley. And, uh, and then the next largest grape growing region is uh, just kind of like south into the west in this really beautiful valley called the Simulkameen Valley, uh, which accounts for about 6% of all of our grape growing in our beautiful British Columbia. Wow. And yeah, what do you... it's a... Uh, Go ask ahead. away. What's the question? <laughs> you ask good questions. So. <laughs> well, have you always been in this area? Did you grow up in this area? No, I actually grew up uh, on Vancouver Island in a really small town called Port Alberni. 
Um, I left it as soon as I could, as many of us do in that small town. And uh, I moved to the West Coast uh, to a small town called Ukulit, just to work in the service industry and surf. Because in small towns like that, it's right on the West Coast of Vancouver Island and very tiny. The population at the time was about 1,500 people. A really high tourism industry there, uh, whale watching, lakes, uh, hiking, every, you name it, everything is there. Yeah, you're And uh, so I, yeah, have, have you heard of Tofino? Tofino's more well known. Yeah, I have heard of Tofino. Yeah, yeah. so you could, it's like the little sister town. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it's boomed a lot since I left because this was about 20 years ago. But basically, you worked in the service industry. And then in your free time, you surfed. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I wanted to go move away to somewhere tropical where I could learn how to, well, not learn. Well, I wasn't very good surfer, to be honest. So yeah, we can say still keep on learning. I wanted to go surf some more. And then my options were either to go to Hawaii or go to Mexico. I ended up choosing to go to Mexico. And uh, I was going to go for six months, and then six months turned into seven years. Wow, <laughs> and I lived in, uh, in Puerto Vallarta. Oh, wow. And uh, I ended up working in an ecotourism company for the majority of my years down there. And I uh, did a little bit of everything from working on boat tours, uh, teaching scuba diving. I worked with a rescued sea lion down there. Uh, and then I eventually settled in and uh, worked in the online sales department and worked with cruise ship coordinations and really just had an amazing experience of my 20s living in a beautiful place like Puerto Vallarta. It was, uh, it's like my second home, basically. Yeah, you really did it right. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do much surfing in the end, ironically, but I had a really great time. It's like, it's yeah. how these, um, these early experiences and, you know, that are really intense in various ways inform and, and shape you know where you end up and in strange ways and i mean just in this little thing that what you were saying made me think of is your your little slogan and motto on uh farm to glass wine tours which is be kind drink wine um <laughs> which i love and and you do seem to have this sense of uh the the importance of kindness in what you do and focusing on the positive things that are uh the beauties that you get to show people too and and you know the the good kind the good farming that you can focus on as opposed to you know the people that maybe aren't doing such good farm um but yeah i i you know similarly take that approach too it's sort of like i don't want to spend my whole time just talking about how <laughs> how bad things are <laughs> i want to be like you know what we all know that so let's talk about the people that are doing amazing stuff you know because that's exactly where, that's where we can head towards you know we can we can head towards that um so anyway, thank you. Um, well, we, I think we've laid an, a little bit of the groundwork here for <laughs> for this beautiful area. Yeah. What, what is, who are some, I mean, okay, well, so you very kindly got some folks from there to bring some wine. I don't know if you want to talk about that what, with you to when you visited recently to Los Angeles. It was great to meet you in person. This is a rare experience for me to have met you in person first before talking to you on the podcast. Um, and the wines you brought were fantastic, obviously. Like, I mean, I, I don't think anybody should need to have me tell them that like 
this area makes world-class wine um but you know it does it's like stunning beautiful stuff but also some really interesting things and i, I if you want to talk about some of the people and producers and what's interesting of about course. that stuff well that we should touch great. on the perhaps a little bit on uh some of the wines that um i brought down for for us to try yeah yeah that's what uh, i was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> was that, was that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I I wanted to kind of create it like um like a little wine lineup of a particular region that I I'm a little bit obsessed with, and it, it does hold a little piece of my heart. And it's uh, the Naramata Bench uh, and Naramata and Penticton region of the Okanagan Valley. Um, it is it hugs on these like beautiful cliffs on Okanagan yeah. Lake. Uh, with yeah. like little gullies in between and it's it's magical there's about 600 maybe there's been some more plantings coming in i bet you it's closer to 650 acres um it is one of the like the sub regions so we have like our appellation which is the bc vqa and then we have our gis or geographical indications and then there's a handful of sub gis to kind of just showcase in particular regions, uh, the true terroir of certain areas of the is, Okanagan Valley. Are GIs just for, like, you know, non-Canadians? Is that sort of like the Appalachian designation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we just have the one Appalachian umbrella, which is BC VQA, and then it kind uh, of drops okay. down. So then it would be like we have nine wine regions in our province, and then within those nine regions we have... 12 smaller sub geographical indications that kind of they've been awarded these indications because they are very um they have a typicity and uh terroir that really showcases we're still quite in our in our infancy in our wine industry here our appellation's only been around since 1990 so we're we're still figuring it out, but Naramata Bench was one of the first ones uh, to get this sub GI, and uh, it's being on the uh, the eastern side of Okanagan Lake. It gets that late afternoon sun. It's also on slopes, so it gets really beautiful breezes. And uh, the wines that I brought to you came from um, all from that particular region. And Can I, ask you I don't know if really you. Quick. Of course he no. Of course he can. <laughs> Ask away. Do you know what the name Naramata means? Where it came from? I <laughs> I'm I'm just totally testing you. So I I I was just reading into it because it does I immediately zoned into it because of the sort of beauty of the vineyards and everything of that specific area and was just reading about it and how it was sort of like a, a cultural center for the lake. So people would you know, come for operas and plays and all these things at Naramata that would, you know, would be hosted there. But then, like, whoever was the guy who was selling the tracts of land for agriculture around that area was also, like, a spiritualist. And so there was some indication that the name came from that. Like, uh, this guy named it with some spiritual meaning behind it. But I don't know what it was. So I just wanted to see if you did. No, I don't. Thank you for making me sound like <laughs> this is failure. our homework. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. Just curious. I don't want to, I don't want to speak to anything that I can't, you know, at least confidently say, but um right. 
you know, well, it's it sounds like because like, Okanagan is 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 from the from the the indigenous people who live there, the First Nations people. That's their word, but I think Naramata is, is not. No, um, I think you know when I pull up the little snippet because uh, Google saves the day as always. Um, <laughs> A gentleman by the last name Robinson named the town Naramata, meaning the smile of Manitou, after uh, uh, Naramata, who was the wife of a great Sioux Indian chief. Oh, okay. Very so cool. there we go. We both learned something new. It's I'm a going smile. to add that to every every wine tour visiting that region now, <laughs> and I'll always think of you. <laughs> and so it it is a smile. It is a yeah. A, ta- a town. It is a happy place. A smile. Yeah. That's great. Hmm. It's also like um, the vibe there is just, it's it's one of the few, I, it might be the only Canadian, I, I might be mistaken, but it has the slow designation. So it's kind of like slow movement, slow food, slow community. You know, they don't have any gas stations there. There's no fast food uh, chains or anything like that. It's uh, It's a really beautiful intricate community of people and everybody knows everybody uh, it's very community involved they are also looking at getting their dark sky certification as well um, what does that mean it's magical so there's certain cities that can um it's for light pollution so if you have oh. low enough levels of light pollution you can get special designations uh called dark sky certification and Naramat is in the process of doing that as well huh. and, sounds so uh, much more ominous than what it actually means <laughs> dun, dun, dun. dark it's skies dark sky. and aisles of cereals <laughs> um <laughs> so okay great so now i interrupted you but i will <laughs> i will prompt okay. you to go back to now is Belle from that area? Belle? Bella. Is that the name? Yeah, Bella. Bella, Bella Wines, yes. Uh, Bella. Bella Bella Wines uh, is from Naramata. Uh, Jay and Wendy Drysdale are the owners, and they've had the winery for 10, 2013, so 10 years now. And um, they're actually a winery that only does sparkling wine. Uh, oh. And I think, yeah, they just do bubbles, ancestral and traditional method. Um, they have the most beautiful farm. They practice as much regenerative and di- biodynamic practices as possibly can be. They have all the animals. They have chickens. They have <laughs> pigs. They uh, they trellis their vines. They have Chardonnay and Gamay on their property, about five acres total. Uh-huh. And they trellis everything high enough so the chickens can roam all the time. And they have an apiary where they get their own honey that they they add to the dosage of some of their wines. Like every, they're just mm. they're also just beautiful, beautiful people. They're very involved with the local community. Uh, they have a food compost waste program. So because there's no there's not a compost program in Naramata. So the community is invited to come and drop off their food waste at the winery, which will then go and return back to the pigs. And uh, as a thank you at the end of each season, they will take one of the pigs because um, they do do a, a classic natural cycle of feeding the pigs as well as they can and then bringing them to the laboratory. They'll take one of the pigs and do a, a slow roast in the community for all of the people as a thank you. It's it's, it's they're 
they're amazing people like that. That's and very cool. Jay's a big advocate for helping like locals that have, because a lot of houses in the area maybe have like an acre or two um, of grapes planted. And Jay's always has, like, always helpful for helping anyone that wants to try to grow as, as healthy as possible. And in fact, quite often will take uh, the grapes and process them at the winery and create a label with their names on it that will get featured in just like local restaurants in, in Naramata or the Naramata general store and, and just create that full connection with the community. It's uh yeah, it's, it's lovely. They've been my number one fans right from the beginning of my business idea. And uh, yeah, their, their it. sparkling wines are beautiful. I mean, we tried the, the Cabernet Franc. Yeah, I was just going to say that's the, I mean, it's a good place to start because it was what we started with here and it was um, Cab Franc, right? I was like Mm -hmm. blown away. Um, Right, a a Blanc de Noir and just like, I, 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 I don't know, the way I can describe it as an experience when I know I have a good wine is like you open the wine and every time you smell it, and taste it it's a whole new thing like it just keeps changing and evolving from the moment you open the bottle and every moment is good it just is like this continual evolution in the glass a wine adventure i call those wine adventures there you go i love that see i need a name like that how do you come up with these things this is (laughs) this is why why you have the job you have (laughs) i love it (laughs) um yeah it's like yeah that whole bottle was an adventure i mean and so easy to drink. I mean, wow. Anyway, yeah, really stunning, really it's, delicious. It, his, his sparkling wines are just, his ancestral methods and his traditional methods are just out of this world. Um, you know, on his estate, he has Gamay and Chardonnay. And he only worked with those two grapes for quite some time. But he's, I don't know, I think sometimes, you know, winemakers, they want to kind of you know, they, they're like, can I do a Pinot Noir? Can I do a Cab Franc? What about this? What about that? And everything that they've created is just magical. He has one nice. that's uh, called PB&C, which is like a Pinot Blanc Chardonnay blend. And yeah. I thought it was going to be peanut and the, butter and something, carrots or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's so beautiful as well. And it's, I don't, there's... It's it's magic in a bottle, honestly, and uh, yeah, and they're lovely. They're lovely people. Like everything, everything they do, they come. It comes from a place of kindness, and they will bring not only when they do their wine tastings, we'll bring them on farm tour and show them their compost program and you know why it matters and and just you know little snippets of of why doing the things they do matters and it's uh yeah yeah that's let me ask that's so this i mean this is something that i care deeply about which is how to communicate and convey those that message of importance to people who are just there to have a good time and drink yummy wine you know i mean so how, how have you seen it click with anybody and how how has that worked like what is what has been effective in getting that click to happen uh, I think, you know, quite often it will be Jay or Wendy that it will do kind of like the, the winery tours, uh, which I think is also beautiful. Um, 
because a lot of the wineries that I visit on the tours um, are quite often hosted by the wine winery owner or winemaker or right hand person, but they'll take people to their gardens and with a glass of wine and they'll talk about the farming and the cover crops and what they're doing and how they allow like the nature to just grow what it wants, depending on what that soil needs at that time during that year. And you're overlooking like a vineyard of Chardonnay while you're tasting their Chardonnay and you're learning about the farming practices and why it matters. And it creates this like really beautiful sense of connection of place and in the moment. And it's, it's pretty beautiful when you see people just kind of have that moment of this is might be the most amazing wine tasting experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it's, it's, it's magic. I mean, there's nothing better than like connecting, like you, you see it kind of like start to connect in people's heads that like, you know, you'll see a wild, crazy, it looks chaotic vineyard, but everything that's happening there is creating this beauty and it ends up creating this amazing thing that you're going to put into your mouth and it's going to make your mouth happy and make you wiggle in your seat with delight and it's just it's it's a beautiful thing to witness well i mean i feel like i i witnessed it too in this or i I experienced it like i mean i'm just making that connection now in my head to that experience that i described drinking their wine It, it sounds like that's what their farm is too an adventure you know it sounds like that wildness that you're talking about in the farm where there's you know critters and you know all the things (laughs) critters and bees and bugs and birds and everything roaming around overlapping um constantly in flux it sounds like and and that is reflected directly in the wine like i tasted this living thing that continued being you know it continued doing that in the bottle in the glass that's really beautiful (laughs) (laughs) i mean this is is what i yeah I will try to be very descriptive with everything else so you can have a magical moment from your seat in LA while I describe <laughs> the moments and the experience of these wineries that I so love and adore. Now, from from that, I think we moved to like a Riesling. Is that right? Was that the next we thing did. that we... Yeah. So yeah. And Riesling is Riesling is kind of big there. Is that right? Like there's quite a bit we, of Riesling? We have, we have a lot of it. It is definitely one of our, our more planted grapes i mean it grows really well here i mean uh-huh. historically speaking you know when we first thought that you know even vinifera grapes could grow it was all it was tending to lean towards all we thought it was so cold here all we could grow is aromatic you know germanic varieties and so well, we when got a was lot of good that? when was that yeah i mean when were the first we, plantings oh well the first plantings Okay, let's go on a little history lesson right here. Yeah. We, yeah, history memory. So, I mean, we, for the longest time, didn't think we could grow anything other than like uh, Labrusca. So, like, if we took, for example, like our very first winery was in 1923, and it was actually in Victoria, which is on Vancouver Island. And, uh, it was called Growers, and it was actually wines were made out of Logan berries, which are a hybrid mm-hmm. of raspberry and blackberries, mm-hmm. uh, and then eventually apples. So we got our oh. first winery uh, in the Okanagan in 1932 uh, in Kelowna, called Kelowna, but it was spelled different. Okay. It was C-A-L-O-N-A. And uh, 
but it was all with either apples or labrusca varieties. So we were, it was, it was plonk basically. And then, um, later on down the road in the, you say that like, that's the only possibility (laughs) if something is made with apples or labrusca and I just want to, no, okay. Not with apples. Okay. I want (laughs) to, all right. Hold, hold that thought. So, but of course we, it was plum. You and I know that apples <laughs> make delicious, delicious things that we put in our mouths. We know that. Yes. yes. Um, but we were talking about like, you know, Kelowna, <laughs> the, the first winery, which is hilarious, before they actually switched it to the name Kelowna, the name of the winery was actually called Domestic Wines and Byproducts Limited. Like that was, <laughs> doesn't that sound delicious? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so they were going for craft artisanal um, yeah. production, it sounds like, for sure. Yeah, and their wines were called like, okay, white, okay, red, <laughs> okay, port. And like, I mean, it sounds like super mediocre, right? But obviously the okay comes from Okanagan, but like they weren't setting the bar particularly <laughs> high here. So. Got it. Okay, co- and there go were on, a couple then. of farms, and there were there was a couple really key players that tried planting like nefera very successfully, but it was at a time where consumers we weren't we weren't ready for nefera, we weren't ready for yeah. premium wine, we just wanted whatever was cheap and cheerful, and so later yeah, on that was when, true everywhere, and I mean even yeah. down here, you know for sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, we had a whole bunch of, uh, we had a little era of French hybrids um, that came in. And we actually still have some that happened in the 60s. And um, nice. some of our oldest vines are actually Marichal Foch. Um, okay. And uh, there is some beautiful producers making really nice Marichal. Hybrids get a little bit of hate up here. I'm not going to lie. Mm. But uh, mm. I have had some pretty amazing hybrid great varieties from some really amazing producers um but yeah it's uh well i mean that's uh, not uncommon either that's you know, I know. it's not uncommon but i know and... you've had like a lot of speakers that uh a lot of guests on board that on board i'm not i'm not a flight attendant right now this is on board <laughs> welcome to the organic wine voyage um... let us take you on a journey <laughs> to bc wine history <laughs> Well, and and the reason I was asking about the timing of this is because honestly, like in the '60s and '70s, and and historically, you know, the climatic knowledge that people had to draw from, probably they were right to think that you couldn't grow certain things there because it was cooler there. Like, I mean, you know, people were talking about you couldn't grow Pinot Noir in the Willamette Valley in the '60s and '70s. Like, you couldn't get it ripe. It was much yeah. cooler, you know, and rainier. And now it's like the opposite. Like now, now it's like, well, it's too hot for Pinot Noir to dry. <laughs> um, so we've in you know in one lifetime that sh- those changes have happened in these areas up there. And so yeah, I, I this might just be a, a brief moment in time uh, <laughs> where, yes. where these things are possible. And yeah, we'll see what happens. You guys might be the new you know Los Angeles soon. <laughs> It sounds like it, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so we went through a hybrid phase. It was, we'd call it the hybrid era in the 60s, um, and that kind of continued on into the 70s, but um, sometime in the mid-70s, we, uh, a 
we started planning Vinifera kind of like as like a test series uh, quite successfully, but as all things that are kind of in like its infancy of phases uh, in regards to funding and cash flow, it kind of stopped after a few years. But I think like the big key was that, um, I think it was in, oh gosh, I'll have to check the year. We had like um, a federal and provincial um, funding project where they were paying people like $8,100 Canadian an acre to like pull out the Labrusca and the hybrids and to plant vinifera. And that yeah. kind of like was the beginning of like our modernized, like premium quality wine industry. I think that was like 8990. Wow. Uh, yeah. So we're yeah. quite young. We're just in our little bit. We're still figuring it out. We still have like almost 90 different grape varieties that grow in our province so uh, we had yeah. this conversation when we met i was like name a grape we probably grow it and then you were like petite monsang i'm like we don't grow that <laughs> that's right i remember <laughs> <laughs> but because um, we have such a like an impressive climatic difference in like in regards to like growing degree days from the northern part of the okanagan say like around Kelowna or lake country you know, all the way down to, to a Soyuz near the border. Like we, we grow everything like San Giovese, Saint So, Barbera, Dolcetto, Teroldigo. We have Zinfandel, we have Tempranillo, Morvedra, Grenache, Mencia, Toriga, Alberino, Verdejo, Marsan, Rusan, Viognier, Muscat, Shannon, Gruner, just to name a few, plus all yeah. the usual suspects, you know? Right, right. Like, it's, it's, it's really cool because like we have all these different terroirs as well that kind of they're little like microclimate climate I, I almost said a really inappropriate word like little like micro terroirs <laughs> micro, um, <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't do it um so, well, like, so it's also because Syrah can grow side by side together like it, it's 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 so it's so cool here honestly well for those of us who don't live near the 50th parallel i think it's it's important to point out that i mean first of all you you probably do get some really cold temperatures in the winter right like so you need i mean i, I mean are people doing anything crazy to protect their vines like put them under you know geotextiles or anything like that for the winter i haven't heard it... of any geotextiles as of yet but there are there may have been there may have been some um the thing is is that a lot of times um, we're pretty good from any type of like uh, cold or winter damage because a lot of the vineyards are on slopes or on benches that are close to lakes. So the air right. constantly is flowing. That being right. said, last November, we had a really, really cold snap quite early. So it was like no. near the beginning of November. And I think in certain areas, it got down to like minus 29 for a week. So I wow. think that's minus 20 Fahrenheit and it you know it oh, was my, we yeah, were yeah, just yeah we, yeah we were just harvesting like a few weeks earlier in certain regions so you know the vines didn't really have the opportunity to kind of go to sleep fully for the winter and I think we're starting to see now because like our vines when I came and visited you three weeks ago I think some of your your grapevines were getting close to like mid to top wire where we hadn't even had bud break yet up north right it's uh but um, it's. I think there is a little. We're gonna lose a little bit of grapevines because of that early cold winter snap. But for the most part, because they're on slopes and like 
in the valley around like Oliver Soyuz, there are there are wind machines in places where there's a little bit of frost pockets. So that that's common to see in, in the southern part of the Okanagan. So I got you on this because I was asking about Riesling and that Riesling. Oh, I know. I squirrel all the time. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I sent you on that. I sent you on that rabbit hole, which is great. I mean, I, like, I mean, the other thing I was going to point out was, again, I'm, I'm, before we get back to the Riesling, um, was that, uh, what was I going to tell you? Oh, just to point out that, you know, what is common for you, like, isn't common for us a little further south, which is you, you know, you might have a shortened window of growing season. Like you said, your bud break starts. But then, you know, by June, you have like basically 20 hour days. Like you yeah. <laughs> like you have daylight almost day, you know, day round uh, around the clock. Um, so you get a lot, you make up for a lot of that lost time. Um, we that, sure do. Yeah. It's, uh, and, it's crazy. You'll, our, like our sunrise in the morning during like, in end of june is like quarter to five in the morning and then we sunset goes down like maybe quarter to ten like long long days wow yeah yeah it's beautiful i love it winter sucks but the summers are fantastic (laughs) (laughs) it just reversed that in the winter it's more like like a, a lot of darkness broken up by a little bit of sun shining from the horizon down there yeah um All right, so back to Riesling. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite grapes, as you know. And, and so... Do, do, what? Do, really? <laughs> what? Is it Didn't because... You, you? But you know what? Isn't it like... But like, how often do you drink Riesling, though? How often do you drink Riesling? Oh, Is it accessible to you, like, at all times? It is no? not. That's true. I mean, am I a Riesling expert? No. And to... I mean, look, I certainly have not written Riesling off because there's so many people with amazing palates who think it's like the best, you know, it's like God's gift to grapes is Riesling. So <laughs> there's something about it <laughs> that, that, that I haven't quite stumbled upon yet. Um, I'm just waiting for that. You know, that's, that's my attitude now. It's not that I don't like Riesling. I'm just waiting for that moment when it, when it convinces me it is worthy of all the attention that it gets. When, um, when you come I believe up and visit... Okay. I'm going to take you and we're just going to go do a Riesling day. And we're, by golly, we're no. going to find you. <laughs> that would be awesome. That sounds like my nightmare. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> like, I've, it's like that story of, of the guy that, um, you know, dies and goes to the afterworld. And it's uh, this like he's a golfer and, and it is the most beautiful golf course he's ever seen in his entire life. You know, it's, it's like a magical golf course and, and his caddy is like, all right, here we go. You know, like this is, this is what you get. This is, this is your reward for, you know, all your life, (laughs) uh, you know, the balance of your life's activities. And so he tees off on like this insanely beautiful thing. And then he gets to the green and there's no hole and he realizes there's no <laughs> hole in any of these things. And then his caddy, you know, the, the horns come out and he's like, welcome to hell. Anyway, like, <laughs> anyway, in like a deep, in a deep double voice, like, right. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is, I'm sorry. That's a terrible analogy to you. Bring me to the Okanagan to taste Riesling, but I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> and now having said the, that, 
<laughs> the Riesling that you brought was really delicious and beautifully made. And I there I can't say anything bad about it. It was wonderful. It, it is wonderful. Thank you very much. And uh, <laughs> the <laughs> they're going to have such a giggle when they hear this. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Riesling was also from Naramata from a very, very probably one of the smaller wineries uh, in Naramata and Penticton area. They don't make a lot uh, called Daydreamer Wines. And uh, it's owned by Marcus and Rachel Ansoms. And Marcus is, uh, I think, one of nine Masters of Wine in Canada. And uh, only one of two Masters of Wine uh, in British Columbia that make wine. And uh, he's comes from a family of winemakers in Australia originally. Uh, he, I think he has more vintages under his belt than he does years of age. And he has this intuition in the vineyard and the winery that has been making some like world-class, age-worthy, piercingly beautiful wines uh, with Riesling and Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. He does, being Australian, uh, in certain years, if the vintage is right, he does a sparkling Shiraz. Uh, and also has like a Syrah Viognier Coferment, a beautiful Cab Franc and Bordeaux blends. And uh, he farms organically. Uh, everything's done with indigenous yeast. And uh, he has baby doll sheep roaming the vineyards. And mm. they are adorably hilarious and twice the size they ever should have been. And a couple of years ago, they actually wiped out his whole block of Chardonnay. <laughs> The baby doll sheep did? Yeah, they did. They sure did. Mm. So um, there wasn't uh, a lot of Chardonnay a couple of years ago. But they, uh, but, yeah, they, but, apparent, they like the really tasty ones. So they really love Chardonnay mm. and uh, they really love uh, Syrah, apparently. But mm. And the following spring, there was abundance of mutton in the freezer, I bet. <laughs> no, stop <laughs> it. They are pets. They are very, very well loved. Oh, and, oh um, okay. okay. <laughs> Even after that. That's amazing. Even I after that. A, I, I have a deep appreciation for them then. That is, they are kind and wonderful sheep owners. Then. Yeah. I, I did hear a story <laughs> the them. following season that they were trying to like get a measuring tape out and then they were holding some like green leaves up and like to see how high the sheep could stand on their hind legs with the tape measured like see how high uh -huh. that was so that they could like retrellis everything to like right, make sure right, that the sheep couldn't right. reach it so i heard it yeah it was they a don't have quite a sight to see that's awesome yeah i mean this is this is the permaculture way it's not that you have a you know chardonnay loving sheep problem it's that you have a trellising problem <laughs> exactly and i have i personally like uh, the sheep don't roam all of the vineyards um they do roam particular the the uh the chardonnay block and also a pinot noir block and i have had the fortunate luck of trying the chardonnay and it is amazing it's so good mm. and the pinot noir i haven't ever had the opportunity to try it they keep it pretty there's not a lot of it and they keep it exclusive for their wine club but i don't there's something about you know that whole cycle of like you know yeah. having animals in the vineyard and everything working in harmony that like it matters you can like that chardonnay yeah. is so darn good it's so good you know it's like yeah no, it's no, just what's, what, 
what's the name of that wine again? There, I mean, the winery. The Daydreamer. Daydreamer, right on. And mm-hmm. I will yeah. say, I shared that reasoning with other people who also loved it. Um, and and you know, uh, I you know, for all my talking smack about riesling or my, <laughs> I I mean, it's it was. I mean, it's beautiful. It was beautifully made. It's got a little residual sugar that balances like a beautiful acidic finish. So it just finishes clean, even though it's got a little sweetness. I mean, it was just balanced. It was precise. It was, yeah, they should be proud of that. It was, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, It's one of the great things about uh, like a lot of the wineries that I take people to, you know, sometimes if like there's a regular, if you've ever gone wine tasting, you might go to a winery where you're like, oh, I, I liked one of those wines, or like, maybe I liked two. Or it's, I love bringing guests to wineries where they like everything they put in their mouths. They're like, oh my god, this is so good! Like every and like Daydreamer is one of those wines, and uh, wineries, and like Bella is one of those wineries. And it's like seeing their faces every time. They're like, this is good, and I'm like, I know. This is why I'm bringing you here. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so. You're welcome. Because <laughs> like a lot of these, like they're small estates, you know, and a lot of people might not ever have the opportunity of of hearing about them. So that, you know, it's part of the joy of, of, of running this wine tour business is just connecting really great people with great wines. That's great. Now, what did we drink after the Riesling? We moved on to, did we move to a red? We moved on to the one you really wanted to open. The Syrah? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. We opened up. <laughs> I was a... like... Not only, not only just any Syrah, right. but the oldest wine Syrah in Canada. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And It is amazing. How old are they? Um, they would be... Oh, you're making me do math. What have I told you about <laughs> flight attendants and math? You can, 89, you can say... 90. So... Oh, like, cool. I think That's they're putting on the 89 or 90, so like 30, 33, 34 years old. Okay. Wow. And they were planted in, in Naramata, which is like, you know, again, we're talking about like the more like mid to northern part of our north to south um, of the, our great growing region of the Okanagan Valley. I mean, everyone thought he was batshit crazy for planting Syrah there, to be honest, because no one thought it would ripen there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this was... Well, this was what, what? What was the percentage alcohol? It was. It was good. It was. What was it? It was. I can't even remember now. Do you remember? It was thirteen point two. Yeah. Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah. I, I yeah, love how I'm just like. Mm, let me go down my Rolex of alcohol. Levels. Yeah. Yeah. Of like the that bazillion sounds... wines that you drink. <laughs> 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 um, no, it, that sounds about right. I remember. Yeah. I mean, impressive. Uh, fully ripe. Fully. I mean, like. Yeah, it was. I thought it was even. I don't know, and I thought it was even bigger than that. But I could be wrong. Um, it 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 may have been. I I really did just did pull that number out of like. <laughs> I, am I allowed to swear? I pulled that number out of my ass. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I I I should like hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I'm gonna cut out this space. Do you still have I, the bottle? I might. I might. Hold on. Oh, I don't think. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I do not. The good news is um, <laughs> <laughs> the two pieces of good news is that bottle has become part of the reuse stream that is um, part of Get Out. U- Yay. Um, 
um.earth. Yes. Uh, this is my, I don't, I won't have to read an ad because this is a true story. Like, so I'm collecting my bottles and sending them into Um, um and they are re recycling, reusing them, uh, re, re getting them back out into the stream without waste. And... I want Um in BC. I know, right? We need one in every city. Well, they're trying to be national, so they might maybe soon after they become national, they'll become international. So hang in there. (laughs) No, I mean, I think just we're, it's funny, I'm going to be interviewing them just so we can talk about the problems that they're solving so that other people can learn from that. And also so that we as an industry can start thinking about some of the, the ways that we can change our behavior as wine makers and wine drinkers to make this a, a more uh, doable thing that we can, you know, yeah. just start. Yeah. We anyway, have that... had some wineries that have also, I know we can get it squirreled, but yeah. like there are some wineries <laughs> too that are kind of like trying to move to like the pouches as well yeah. for, to get away from glass. And I mean, it's, it's a problem. I mean, yeah. it's a problem. The end. That's yeah. it. So yeah. So, I guess, well, so. I mean, so that was the one good thing was that your bottle that made it all the way down here is now going to be part of this continual stream. And then the other good thing is the one bottle that I did keep is the Daydreamer 2022 Riesling. <laughs> and I, so I have that <laughs> bottle. <laughs> it's a beautiful um, bottle. It is. And well, they like, they use, they use a basket press. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's his only wine in his portfolio where, um, it, it doesn't see any oak, obviously, because uh, Riesling, quite often, as you know, is, uh, doesn't get any oak. And it's just a purest expression of that grape. And, yeah, I, he did knock it out of the park. It's I, I love yeah. Riesling. I don't know. I think it's a BC thing, too. You will find, like, a lot of, like, I don't know, wine geeks. We could sommeliers. Anyone who works in the restaurant industry uh, in the area is uh, – we're very – we're a very Riesling forward, I would call it. So yeah, love... well, that's what I'm saying. So many yeah. Psalms are like, yeah, the best wine in the world is German Riesling, or you know, they just are nuts about Riesling. And and I mean, I'm not obsessed in that way. I, I right. don't. Well, right. I don't. Yeah, I don't go out and crave like, oh, I really want me a Riesling, but I do love a beautiful expression of it when I have it in my mouth. <laughs> I, I also want to say that one of the things I like is that the alcohol percentages of Riesling usually hover around 10%. And I like that. I like a nice light alcohol wine, um, something, because then you can drink more, which is always fun. Ooh, yeah. But do you, do you remember the, the residual of that? Because um, like the, there was still lots of beautiful acidity in there, but the residual sugar there was 20, 20 grams. Oh, really? I don't. It was I mean, that high, I, yeah. Yeah, that's, I believe that. I mean, because it didn't... It yeah. T- balanced because it finished clean it was I mean, so nice super thing. balanced it was yeah i mean it's a beautiful beautiful riesling yeah yeah it really is you've made okay. up for yourself for poo-pooing <laughs> on riesling we can carry on now <laughs> back to syrah back um, to syrah <laughs> back to old old vine syrah which in other parts of the world is like v- vines that have just come into their <laughs> their into their expressing prime. terroir yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah they're in, exactly they're in they're in their prime at 33. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a, a winery called Nickel Nickel Vineyard in Naramata. And How are they farmed? Um, How are these old vines farmed and cared for? They are farmed. Um, I mean, they're farmed 
organically or as close to um, like no no synthetics, no synthetics, no glyphosate. They're not certified, but they do everything the right way. Um, if I'm not right. mistaken, I don't know if they're actually uh, part of the Appalachian. You don't have. You said you don't have the bottle anymore. No, sadly. We kind of we have like a. Because like our BCVQA is like a, a member membership type of appellation and some wineries choose not to, to do it. I think they're one of the wineries that might be mistaken. But um and I I mentioned that because they're also, you know, they're not gonna be part of the appellation. They're not also the type of people that wanna like pay money to be certified to to prove that they're doing things the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, they make, um, they're predominantly, their main wine is like a, a Pinot Gris. Uh, Pinot Gris is our most planted white grape in our province. And uh, they do very, yeah, Pinot Gris. Sorry, I was literally moments before that, I was like, oh, let's, I'll, I'll give reasoning a break. Maybe I'll shit on Pinot Gris. And then do it. <laughs> like it's do our it. Most. I dare you. And I'm like, do no. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I won't. I'll resist. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till you come. Honestly, my hands are like rubbing together in like a devilish way right now. So. Uh, um, that's great. No, I'm I'm very excited. I mean, I will be excited. I, like, you know, I mean, for me, I could care less about variety at the end of the day. Honestly, I really want just beautiful farming is all I care about. Um, yeah, the, and <laughs> I drink, think I'll drink anything if it's farmed with sheep and you know sprays and you know yeah critters running around. They, and, there yeah. are no sprays. I you know the only critters running around are like the winery dog Dan and the cat and bull snakes during certain times of the year, which absolutely oh, terrify funny. me. So oh yeah, oh yeah. I remember filming doing some like B roll for my marketing. And like, there's like grasshoppers, crickets, like jumping while I was walking down the, the row of the vines. And I come back and Devin, who kind of uh, works the tasting room, she's like, uh, you need to be careful. She's like, there's been a bull snake hanging around out there. And like, my face just went white and like, I proceeded to like run back down and tear out of the vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so wait, are they poisonous bull snakes? Um, they have, yeah, they're, well, they bite and they're quite, they're way more aggressive than, uh, rattlesnakes, which we also have in the area. Um, yeah. but they're really good cause they, they eat the bugs, but yeah. they're a little well, bit they, of the, little jerks. Like the voles maybe. Yeah. 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 They, they, they have their part, but they're also butt ugly. They're, they're hideous looking. I, I, okay. no, they're terrifying. Anyways, back, back to the one, <laughs> back to the Pinot Gris. Uh, um, and it's, it, they do like, uh, various versions of Pinot Gris that are all stellar. They actually also have, I think the only St. Laurent in BC, if, oh, I don't know if it's Canada, uh, but yeah, Never. they have uh, a few rows of St. Laurent. They have Cab Franc, uh, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier and, uh, Syrah and, uh, the winemaker Matt Sherlock is a wizard. He's also an amazing uh, human being. He has a very successful natural wine import business as well. Uh, he has a palate that I've been told by other very well respectable 
winemakers that he has one of the best palettes around and can like, he travels to Europe every year and uh, he is known to be able to like blind taste uh, Burgundies right down to the UAB, like right down to the vineyard. So he's also known to be hanging around playing chess in, in like a flannel sweater and smelling like campfire. He's just, he's just, he's yeah. like this really lovely person. And again, he's, I've known him for years through my various hats in the wine industry. And uh, he's kind of a, also just a no bullshit type of guy. And uh, his wines are fantastic. I just want to throw in a little correction that bull snakes are non-venomous. You're, you're safe. Ooh. You would have, they might bite. But, but they bite. They Okay. Well, you, I've been bit by snakes they, before. They're, it's okay. It's like getting stuck with a thorn. It's not so bad. All right. You're walking first <laughs> through the vineyard then when we go for a tour. <laughs> now, rattlesnakes is a different story, but um, yeah, I'd play with a bull snake. No problem. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So that, what, remind me the name of the, the Syrah winery again. So it's Nickel. Nickel. N-I-C, yeah, N-I-C-H-O-L Vineyard in, uh, in Naramata. And okay. uh, yeah, we have actually like Syrah is, there is the word on the street that Syrah might end up being our, our signature red grape. We do do it pretty darn well in the Okanagan. It was, and, oh yeah, we should talk about it. It was delicious. Um, yeah. And we, we decanted it and it again was one that just kept evolving another adventure um lovely lovely stuff uh oh yeah look at that they i'm looking at pictures now yep <laughs> are you going down memory lane yeah <laughs> well i'm just looking at the vineyard and everything kind of like an old trellising style it looks like yeah they have like an interesting trellising system where like it the like um the cordons kind of like go out and on an angle and then come back up and, and wrap around to be honest i haven't seen any other type of trellising like that in the area um it's it looks like a lot of work is what it looks like <laughs> mm-hmm. um what was next that we drank i think well i mean we did have a side by side with uh one of your syrahs oh Crenshaw yeah. Crew, the Crenshaw 2020 Crew, the 20... syrah yeah man um which was awesome to like to have two syrahs from like such different parts of the world Uh, I'd be curious to know like I mean what like almost 2,000 miles north from south separated no 1,500 maybe I don't know 1,500 maybe but I'll do a I'll let you know Um, (laughs) uh, but yeah like there was a lot of remarkable similarities in a strange way (laughs) Mm -hmm. different I just like uh, different I, I just I loved your how I could feel the, I don't way to explain this. It's like, I could feel the California heat and like, but still had really beautiful acidity on it. It was, and I love that. I love wine that can have like a story of more of like, uh, like, I don't want to say it's still fresh fruit, aromatic profile, um, but a little bit, I don't know. Yeah. It felt warm, but it felt refreshing at the same time. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, yeah. It uh, yes, it did, and it just it just had gotten to that point where I felt like it it became more interesting. Like for the first couple years, which is why I never released it. Um, I just thought it was really two dimensional, and when we opened this bottle, it actually seemed like 
it aged into like this maturity that actually I would have hoped for it and didn't know to expect. But yeah, I was I was happy with that. So um, we have to be patient. <laughs> patient. <laughs> Damn it. Um, we're about yeah. I don't know as as the crow fly flies, but if you take a road trip, it's about a fourteen hundred mile road trip from Naramata to my house. But how many kilometers is that? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm not going to know. Google doesn't tell me that. <laughs> Google doesn't tell me. Twenty two hundred and fifty three. There you go. <laughs> That's. That's far. <laughs> directly south. And Sisaraz yeah. separated north to south by 2,200 kilometers. But you, yeah. you know what's re- really interesting? Like, where, like, take, for example, like our, you know, Ontario wine growing region and down in like the Niagara Peninsula, because that, that's also the border of Canada with the United States. It's like a full, oh, 800 kilometers further south than like our border in the town of like Isoyus with the United States. So 500 miles, right? So Where is like, this? Uh, like the Niagara Peninsula. So Ontario. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of latitude, like, it's much further yeah. south. Yeah. Because like a lot of people think that like BC, southern BC, southern Ontario wine terroirs would be very similar being so close to the border. But the uh, yeah, it's drastically different 500 drastically different yeah yeah it is and we actually yeah. like uh no go ahead you go you go no no i was just i mean i was just gonna compare it to you know new york finger lakes wine with yeah with like santa Bar- barbara wine drastically different yeah yeah um but circling back to Syrah. yeah because I squirrel as I usually do. Uh, yeah, it's there are some really beautiful expressions of uh, that grape in the Okanagan as well as the Smokamine Valley, and uh, we're starting even to like play around with like single vineyard Syrah, um, and also I think I forget it might have been like 2015 we brought a whole bunch of like wine judges from all over the world uh, into the Okanagan to do kind of a wines from around the world competition where they chose two particular grapes. I think it was Syrah for, for red and, and Chardonnay for white. And uh, they brought Syrahs from all over the world. And I think BC Syrah won three out of the five awards, I think. I so love it. it's good. If, if you love Syrah, Come to BC, come to the Okanagan, come to Smoke. I mean, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, it was it was everything you wanted in Syrah. I'll put it that way. Like, mm-hmm. and nothing yeah. you didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> How's that? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to prompt you to talk about my wine. I apologize. I meant, what was the next Canadian wine we had? I should have asked it that way. Yeah. Well, I think we we kind of like moved on to like, chilled post wine and opened up the the bella chinato the bella chinato sparkling, sparkling yeah. chinato which was uh, crazy yes. which might I be mean, the very first sparkling chinato in the world it might be yeah it might be it might unless be. you know there was an accident in Piemonte at some point <laughs> where they re-fermented and bottled by accident or something um yeah but it was it was well, I'll put it this way. I haven't had many Chinatos and I have never had a sparkling Chinato because probably this was the first one ever made. But 
I, it was wonderful. What a great experience. I mean, every, oh, it was like, great. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Why not? I mean, I think more it felt like, it felt like a hug. Be. Yeah. And it was oh, local nice. vermouth. And like, he worked at yeah. the winery last season too. And, and like, it's, it's also just so connected as well, which I think is really beautiful, but it, yeah, it's a, uh, and like just to have that little bit of, the fizz on the palate with all of the spices and aromatics yeah. is, is just like, it was a party in the mouth. Yeah. And you'd think, I mean, you know, the idea of like sparkling is to sort of add a little magic to a really bland and sour base wine, you know, originally. <laughs> um, so you'd think that like it could be overpowering with all the stuff that goes on in, in it, but actually I thought it lifted it, you know, it actually sort yeah. of did a really nice thing to it. Um, yeah. And do you know what the what where the you know the ingredients for that chinado came from or what they're doing to infuse the wine? Uh, not off the top of my head. I know okay, they do no, list I, it on the yeah. on um on their website, but because okay. um, it is all locally sourced. Um, the company, the Vermouth Company, is uh, Maro Vermouth, and I'm just trying to see if. Uh, it lists it because I remember reading it somewhere. So I'm going to keep on talking and try to see if I can find it, but I can't. So well, I, I, might I have can. To get back to you. I can. I can interject that at some point we had a Arkansas muscadine <laughs> wine that I think we all liked, but it was like <laughs> kind of just dessert. Like we were like, "Well, we're done now." <laughs> um, but. Yeah, and no alcohol listed on the bottle. Strangely, like I don't know how they got away. That with was the mo- label I, approval that on w- that one, but that yeah. might have been like the best giggles of like the whole evening reading verbatim what was written on the label, and <laughs> That's right. how That's like right. it was like there was like air quotes around and like mountain vineyards or something bizarre like that. We're like, why is it in quotes? You know. Um, <laughs> And it did. It tasted like candy. Like you wanted to not like it, but you kind of liked it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There was uh, there was a lot of a lot to like about it. You know, like man, I it was don't know with why muscadine. Or was that? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's forever burnt in my brain, like your wedding anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it, yeah, I mean, like, I'd be curious to know what the alcohol percentage is, because like, how bizarre that it actually. Is it label on the bottle? Right. <laughs> well, and a big thanks to um, Charles Loves Trees and the Back to Nature Boys. Those are handles on Instagram for that uh, that bottle. They brought that from a, a road trip across across the U.S. Cool. They brought it. They brought it was it so great. I'm so happy you opened it up. I mean, like I presented you maybe your first, well, your first sparkling chinato, and you gave me the opportunity to try my very first wine from Arkansas. So thank you. Nice, nice. Had you had a muscadine before? No, no, all right. not at all. Yeah, all, AKA it, Scoopernog. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a really great like way to like give me the opportunity to to find out what was in the uh, the chinato. So like uh-huh. the wine base, which I think is actually really interesting as well, is that it's um, it's Cab Franc uh, okay. and it's done in like Solera. So okay. nice. kind of to mimic like the old world kind of like Nebbiolo juice. Um, okay. so, and then the the herbs that were used was, uh, ooh, is it Chinchona bark or 
Sinchona yeah. Park. Good question. Good question. No idea. Yeah. Um, and uh, organic botan botanical sourced from a place called Green Muse Herbs. Uh, yeah. Oh. And also with local honey from Nirmata Bench. And uh, also like the, the distill like, and maple leaf spirits, which is also local as well. It's like oh, everything is from yeah. the place. It's like not only is it like something different and unique, but it's like it's literally from the region. Maybe, right. maybe they're onto something. Maybe this is, this could be something. This could be something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, they should, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like when you make it local to use a local name rather than Chinato, especially sparkling Chinato sounds like it's no longer Chinato at all anyway. So maybe they, you guys just need to come up with a, your own local name for that, you know, that is, know. that you own, you know, not, not referential of anything other than Okanagan. And who knows? I mean, like maybe once like the Appalachian uh, picks up on it, maybe they might be sending their lawyers down the way because, you know, wine can be very protective on occasion, as we know. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> With, I only no, say that because did you hear about the Champagne Association like destroying a whole bunch of like Miller High Life in, in Belgium recently because it says Champagne of Beers? No way. So Are you yeah. No, you didn't hear that story? Oh, that's a great story. <laughs> Did you but hear first about help? Like, why would Did they you hear about how Putin decided he was just going to claim the name Champagne? Did you uh, know about that? No, I no. Yeah, he he was like, yeah, we're not going to abide by your restrictions on the name Champagne. And so they just started producing a bunch of Russian Champagne. And I think Champagne just had to bend over and take it because like 40% of Champagne's market is Moscow. It so, is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, okay. Um, anyway, they destroy Miller the champagne and beers, but they'll let Putin uh, yeah. make make his own champagne. But sidebar, why would Belgium be importing Miller High Life, though? That is a good question. I want answers to that. <laughs> well, we're stepping on everybody's toes, the Belgian, the French, and the Russians. Um, but not the Canadians. <laughs> Damn it. Not the Canadians. <laughs> but, and then, like, this is the thing, too, because, like, I don't, like, you know, I'm not sure, like, you know, your, we're Organic Wine Podcast um, reaches out that, like, you know, we have really great wine, but we also have, like, every type of, like, outdoor activity from, like, mountain biking, rock climbing, hiking, every type of, like, water activity from, like, Water skiing, wakeboarding, stand-up paddleboarding, kayaking. Um, we have a great food scene. We have a great coffee scene. Amazing. We have amazing beers. So if you're like traveling with somebody who's more into beer than into wine, we have we got we got you. We got you. We have really great beer here, and uh, and just like there's nothing better than like going and wine touring in, in the daytime and like taking in all the views and then finishing the afternoon and just running into the lake and going for a swim and hanging out on the beach and mm. just watching the sunset with like your favorite bottle of wine or canned wine. Canned wine's really big here right now as well, which is amazing for, for public beaches. I shouldn't say don't bring glass to the beach friends. I, I take that back. Oh, yeah. Nobody does that here. Don't do that. So. <laughs> well, you'd like drink in the car maybe, and then just go enjoy the, your time at the beach sans bottle. If, if you really yeah. need that 
yeah if you if you can't get a can you know just there yeah. are ways our lakes it. yeah our lakes are amazing like, there is and then like for example in penticton there's a canal that connects because there's there's okanagan lake and it finishes on one side of the penticton and then there's a canal that connects to the next lake which is skaha lake and you can get you can rent it or you can if you don't own like a floaty and you start from one end of the canal and you just like float through the canal in the summertime with your favorite friends and your favorite drinks and it's like the most glorious thing ever and then you just get off at the stairs at the end and there's a bus that brings you back up to your car is there like a lock that has to get filled up for you and your little floaty to get to the next section because that would be awesome if you if they like had to activate a lock for you to no but there is like you need to get off before (laughs) that it actually like there is a point where it's like you need to be off your floaty and on the land now or else it it does continue on and i don't think it would be very much fun so and then because it'll just keep (laughs) shooting you out into skaha lake (laughs) so got it got it that's fun and like and then like it's yeah it's such a beautiful place to vacation and then in the winter time you know we have local ski mountains like it's 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 a year-round place to come and visit and we're friendly we're we're like we're still welcoming here it's (laughs) we are canadians we're really friendly up here so you know walking down the street and like everyone says good morning to everyone and it's just there's a vibe here that's that's pretty special. So, listen to you. It sounds uh, too good to be true. I got to tell you, Jess. So you and you do a bunch of sustainability or local and thoughtful things with your tour, in addition to just the wineries that you go to, too, right? It, yeah, and it's kind of like the whole premise of of the idea of farm to glass. Um, I really want to highlight local small businesses from from start to finish um, in a sustainable way as well. So my my wine tours are kind of fully all-inclusive. I take a lot of pride of knowing what people want before they even know that they want it. I love love doing that stuff. But like I have a snack land, I call it, which is like local snacks from um, a small business in Naramata. And then my lunches are provided and I'll set up like this beautiful picnic and everything is done with like linens and plates there's no plastic no paper no nothing um and lunch is catered from like another small business from the region and then also um everybody gets at the end of a tour like a little hyper local goodie bag uh just as a thank you because people can choose to do wine touring so many other ways but they've chosen to do it in this way and I like to thank them for it. So it'll have like a little care package of little spices or um, like a card, everything that's made also by, by female women-owned small businesses all throughout the Okanagan. And then lastly, there's a community give back program where $10 from each guest will go back to like a charity or foundation of the region that they visited. So it could help so your wine tour could help put like fresh organic produce on a family needs table, or it could help with youth mental health services or help with like um, the women's shelter. And they're all three causes that mean a lot to me personally. So it's like creating this experience where you taste really great wine that's done in a really positive way. And you're directly living, like leaving a positive impact on the region that you visit. And I 
I just like, I love saying that out loud. I think it's really magical. <laughs> and I'm going to say magical again. <laughs> no, that is really great. I Because I, I, I don't I, explain it out loud like that a lot. And then like the more I talk about it, I'm like, oh, it just, I love it. It's, I'm really proud of what yeah, I've created. That's great. Yeah. No, and there's, like, a, there's a lot to it beyond yeah. just like the surface like you know the the obvious stuff i should say yeah and you know when we're <laughs> I, I i i'm sorry i just relate because it's like i the same i do the same like as a business owner you you put like especially if you care if you come at it from this ecological perspective which is how i would sort of encapsulate what you're doing like very thoughtful about the things that you're supporting and the things that you aren't supporting and you know like you're thinking about waste you're thinking about how to reduce and all, all these things that come into, you know, operating in the world, you have to think about in, in, at every level in the operation of your business. And then you do that as you make those decisions. And then they just become decisions that you've made. And now you, you're, you're, that's your norm. Like that's your normal operations. That's your MO. And yes. then when you look back, you're like, oh, wait, like I made a lot of really good decisions about how to run this company. <laughs> you're like, hold on, let me pat myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, because a lot does go into it. I mean, you agonize over like every little thing because, it, you know, it matters. Yeah. And it's and it matters to not just to the people that take your tours, but to the world and the people of the community that your tours interact with. I mean, that your exactly. tours, you know, showcase. Um, you say it so eloquently well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made me you also made me think um, going back to the idea of like how uh, a farm, the way a farm is farmed should like when when a wine can reflect the way the farm is farmed, especially when it's farmed in a in an ecological way, that's a really special and magical thing. And that's honestly like what I, I look for. And it, it's made me, you know, once you started telling me more about Bella Winery, you know, it's made me more love them because they gave me that experience I didn't even realize, you know, I mean, I tasted it in the glass, divorced from the land. But then when you told me about the way that they're farming, it is that thing where it's, you know, you use the word messy. And I think that's what got me because I actually wrote a whole blog post about like um, me messiness is next to godliness, <laughs> just to turn that whole idea of cleanliness <laughs> is next to godliness on its head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because what people see as messy is, is actually this you know, overlapping, interconnected aliveness where, you know, you have e an ecosystem of, of support and biodiversity and, you know, collaboration and, and, and it's all on top of each other and intermingling and, you know, like brimming with life. And, and so it looks messy, but it, I think a better way of thinking about it is like this, like an, like, an ecological journey and and when that i mean the fact that they could show that in the wine is really special and i think that's what i i mean that's what wine means to me like that's what i seek for that's what i want wine to be i want wanted to start with that journey in the land and then if you can if you can keep that journey going all the way into the glass with every sip and every sniff that i take it's like that's where maybe your magical exactly. word yes. comes from and, and that's um, where like this is like because i don't make wine i don't grow grapes i don't you know but what i can offer to people is like the opportunity to come and experience how it's done in this beautiful ecological way and it's pretty magical when you see kind of like 
the light bulb turn on in their brains and like they start to make that connection. Um, I think, you know, I've had a case where, you know, I, I kind of curate all the wineries based on, on the list, but you know, these are private wine tours. If people want to visit a winery that's not on my list, I mean, it's, it's, it's their day. I'll, I'll happily do it, but I will kind of put it right in the middle of the day. So like there will be a couple in the morning um, that I've chosen and then we'll go to the winery that they wanted to go to either because they've loved it before they used to be wine club members they want to go back and then I'll finish off with like one or two wineries afterwards and you know more often than not they'll be like oh we, we don't like these wines anymore and I was like <laughs> yeah they don't farm the way that the other wineries farm you know and it's like there's something you know when they're putting everything into the ground or anything into the wine when they're making it, it kind of loses like that life. And then, you know, I, we, I think we talked about it in person before, but it's like, you know, how does the wine look? How does it smell? How does it taste? Um, how does it feel? But then how does it make you feel? You know, it's just, mm. and when wine is made in like a healthy ecological way, there's like that, it's like a sixth sense. It's like a, a feeling there. And I, I don't know any other way to explain it, but to see the guests just kind of be like, everything starts to click together. That's what I feel like I can offer um, with how, you know, farm to glass runs. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful seeing people kind of connect the dots. So, and I like being the person that kind of like shepherds them on that direction. So, yeah. You also advertise cooled storage. Does that, do you bring a cooler with ice in it for wine purchases? No. How what no. do you do? The is, it, Tesla is it proprietary is like secret? <laughs> yes, but I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Okay. So, All right. Uh, Tesla has like these amazing bells and whistles uh, that even when we're not in the vehicle, the, the AC can be set to like whatever it wants to be. Um, oh, crazy. So wow. like if it's, it can get up to like, say in like the Black Sage Bench around Oliver, it's, it's, it's hot. It's, it's super hot and just gets blasted by heat in the summertime. It could get up to like 42 outside temperature. So imagine inside Ooh. a car and yeah. it'll stay like a, like a breezy 19 degrees Celsius inside the car at all times. So nice. if we're out and I have guests that are into, I do quite often have people that are really into like buying and collecting wine on the tours. Um, you know, the, it's going to get hot in the Okanagan, but your wine won't kind of thing. So it, it safely right, right. is going to be stored throughout the day. Yeah, it's awesome. Or I can put it on like a dog mode and then like a little screen pops up and it says, my owner will be back right away. It's 19 degrees in here kind of thing. So. <laughs> That's awesome. It's important. Mode. I have friends that yeah. like they accidentally left a case of really nice wine one August weekend uh, uh. in the Okanagan. And they came back to like every single cork just being pushed out in the wine room. Yeah. And these these were nice bottles. So yeah, I bet you they'll never do that again. Oh, that's so sad. that's heartbreaking. That's really yeah. cool. I mean, yeah. the I guess the only downside is like you run down the battery and then you're pushing the Tesla back to Vancouver. Is that what you're like coasting down the hill? You you would be pushing, pushing the Tesla back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, the, the range Your is wine amazing. will be in great shape, though. <laughs> I mean, the range on the Tesla is fantastic, and like, <laughs> like we have, it really, it really is. I've never, I've never even come close to like being worried about it ever running out ever. 
yeah ever yeah and so that's great but you're gonna jinx me now and watch that happen so <laughs> that's right right <laughs> Jess would just like to clarify that even though she lives in Vancouver and operates her tour in the Okanagan, she does not provide transportation between those two locations. She will give you a tour once you're in the Okanagan, but don't rely on her for a lift from Vancouver. Okay. Um, well, and, and I think that we didn't say, but should say that you you actually take people to these places that do this good farming. That's a focus of your tours. Um, it, yeah. To, in fact, it's, give support it's a to the local. Yeah. 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 To the people that are so doing So it's great kind farming. of like um, the, the focus it being, you know, um, wineries that are, are doing it, that are farming the right way. So I'm looking for like practicing organic, regenerative, biodynamic, um, and sustainable. Uh, I've really, really like, like no roundup, no glyphosate is a mandatory, like mm -mm, it's not going to happen. So, um, and also it's wineries that are owned by people. Uh, we do have, you know, our history of our wine industry is very much commercial, um, very large and uh, owned by corporations. And, you know, a lot of their, you know, the, they make such mass production and, and, you know, they do have beautiful tasting rooms, but their bread and butter is like liquor stores and restaurants and, you know, where they're producing hundred thousand cases a year kind of thing. I, you know, I want to connect people to people and yeah. that do the wine and make like maybe 2000 cases a year or, you know, 5,000 cases is a lot. And, and like, maybe yeah. like max, the larger ones do do 10 cases which 10 cases is a lot for a lot of wineries are just like mid-range size and yeah. um yeah it's you mean 10,000 cases or 10 cases yeah 10 10,000 cases <laughs> did i say 10 twice <laughs> it just so shows cases, that like one cases I think is a lot 10 cases is so much <laughs> um, it just goes to show that like as way more comfortable as I've gotten over the course of this recording. I'm just still nervous as fuck speaking to you right now. <laughs> well, and I, I can't help it. Like it's it. something it's like, yeah, I know. It's like it's so funny because like I love speaking and I love talking to people, but I always like over the years working in service and stuff, I always have like this nervous undertone. And I can't like I know it's there and I can't shake it. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's endearing and maybe it's adorable, but it drives me bananas. Well, and we didn't really even talk about your story, but you've been, you know, a, a flight attendant, a luxury yacht, a cruise line. Um, yeah, no cruise person. line, just yachts. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yachts, uh, all kinds of stuff. Because we don't like, we like don't that. like cruise ship. Cruise ship and yachting is two very different and right. will yes. be very, very insulted. And by the way, for anyone who's watched Below Deck, it is very on point. The drama is very much real. Have you ever watched that show? No, not yet, but now I'm Don't, curious. please don't, don't. <laughs> okay. Is it like the real housewives of the yacht kind of thing? Well, I mean, imagine just putting like 12 to like 18 people on a boat where in your tight quarters and you're working like 16 hours a day seven days a week for sometimes up to six weeks in a row and you just you're not always going to get along all the time yeah. and you're exhausted 
And then next thing you know, you get like one day off and you've saved up boatloads literally of money and you just go and like party Spend like it. an asshole and then wash, rinse, repeat and do it all over again. Like it's, it's, that's literally the life, honestly. So <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do it. I didn't, I you didn't, might have just I didn't sold a it. bunch of people on that. <laughs> like you've just described the dream of many a young person perhaps. Hey, I, I mean like it paid off all my debts. Honestly, it was a great like two and a half, three years, but I, I couldn't say I, I loved I loved my last crew. I would have stayed with my last boat forever until the end of time because my crew was amazing. But um, I actually got into corporate flying. So that's actually how I got into wine was I, I was a personal flight attendant for a, a billionaire on his private jet. And uh, that meant I got to take care of his wine collection, which was an impressive wine collection wow. that I knew nothing about. <laughs> I knew wine, like the like the basics, but like he had like eighty two Bordeaux and Grand Cru Chablis and and super tough like sass. He would drink like casually like a Sassicaia or like he loves Chateau Neuf du Pape, uh, all yeah. old world. I would try to yeah. buy him like top of the line New World when you were traveling in South America. He he wouldn't even try it. Like very very <laughs> classic, but. You know, it was shameful to say that, like, I still remember <laughs> serving wine. And I was, I honestly didn't know, like, Chablis with Chardonnay. Like, that's just yeah. what. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. And, uh, but my, my boss was amazing. He actually paid for my first wine course, which was the WSET level one. And then that, the job working for him was amazing, but it ended up ending when um, he moved back to Switzerland but I kind of got the wine bug. He, he put the wine bug in me. Um, yeah. It was sometimes when I was, because sometimes I'd just be traveling him solo and he wouldn't finish the bottle of his beautiful, delicious wine. So then we'd get to drink the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it was like the first opportunity to try some really magical things. And I, I got hooked and I never went to college or university after high school because I moved to Mexico when I was quite young. So I was like early 30s and I was at the point where my brain was craving knowledge. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to lean into this and start doing some wine courses. And I went and did my, my WSET 3 right away. I decided I was like, I've been around wines. I'm just going to skip level two and go to level three. And I remember I went to my first day of the class and we're all doing introductions and the instructor is going around and she comes over to me after the intros and she was like, so you skipped level two? And I was like, yep. And she was like, and you don't work in the restaurant industry? I'm like, nope. And she was like, good luck. And then like <laughs> continued on. <laughs> yeah. And I like went home and I basically cried all that night long. I was like, what am I doing? What am I getting myself into? <laughs> and then I woke up the next morning, <laughs> like seriously, because it was like, it was not... It was like over two weekends with a two week break in, in between. Like it was intense. It was like, I was like, what did I just get myself into? But, yeah. you know, I kind of lit that fire under my ass and I studied for like five to 10 hours a day. And I, I ended up passing, actually. Um, yeah. I think I like a challenge. I think <laughs> someone tells me I can't do it. I think it just, I don't know. I come from a, a line of very stubborn women. So I think those were probably in the moment the right words that I needed to hear. And then it just progressed. And I did all of the like French, Italian, Spanish wine scholar programs. I have a master level in champagne. 
And I chose Champagne because I was super fascinated by the history. Um, and then I kind of like plateaued out of that and didn't want to do anything that was going to be like a two-year program. And then the pandemic happened and kind of like the whole world changed in, in March of 2020, if, which I still can't believe is over three years ago. And uh, at the time I'd been working at a private wine shop. I'd also been successfully opening, like running a pop-up natural wine bar, which obviously closed down because of the pandemic as well. And the wine shop that I worked at, uh, it was super tiny and super narrow. And we still, you know, remember in the beginning, we didn't know how bad it was. And there was a lot of fear. And I wanted to still work in the wine industry, but I, I, I wanted to be outdoors. So in Vancouver, about an hour drive in the Fraser Valley, there's actually a handful of wineries there. So I decided to get a job at the tasting room that summer so I could be outdoors uh, and just talk about wine. And I realized, and I'm going to swear again because it matters this much to me, that everyone tasting wine is so fucking happy. They are. It's like, it's, it's, it's true though. It really is. Like, yeah. you know, as a flight attendant, you know, we don't like, I meet amazing people on a daily basis when I'm flying, but there are some really horrible people out there too. Like it's yeah. especially yeah. like it's gotten, you know, I, we recorded this, my last flight, someone, a passenger told me to fuck off just on my last flight. Why? I don't, I can't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't but like matter. for, for totally uncalled for, yeah. like, you know, just, you catch people in like they're the worst versions of themselves sometimes on, on flights and it takes a beating, honestly. Um, so I was working at, in the tasting room and being outside and there was Pinot Noir and Chardonnay around and everyone was always in a good mood. And, and I was like, I want to be around the happy. Like, I, I like, I like yeah. this. Like everyone, like I feed off of people's energy. So it's like, and the type of person, if I walk into a room and everyone's in a great mood, I immediately get to that level. Like it just, it gives like a feel to me that I absolutely love. It also on the other end, I can walk in and if like someone's really upset, I'll probably start crying right away. That's usually how I roll. <laughs> but uh, I was like, I, I could do this. It's like, I, I could do wine tours. I was like, I worked in tourism. I love being around people and I love talking about wine. And then kind of I had the aha moment where I was like, I'm going to start my wine tour business. But there is no like eco wine sustainable tourism tour in BC. And I was like, that's my hook. It's very saturated. There's a bajillion wine tour companies. There really is. There's tons. And I know bajillion's not an actual number, I don't think. But there, there's, there's tons. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot. It's many. You know, so I was like, well, I'm going to take eco-friendly approach and a sustainable approach where everything's hyper-local, it's all farmed in a right way. And then I'm going to take all my experience from like taking care of like the one percenters and I'm going to mix it into like this beautiful baby of a, a wine tour product where you get to taste amazing wine and I get to pamper the shit out of you because after the past couple of years, we all deserve to be treated and spoiled. And yeah, I love, I just, I love taking people on a tour and just like blowing them out of the water of expectation of like everything that they get from like start to finish. It really, I love creating magical moments. I love it. It gives me so much joy. Mm, sounds great. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. So. Thanks for sharing a little slice of some of those tours that you do. Is there any 
is there is there anything that we missed in terms of producers or you know highlights from the area that you really want to call out or should we just well, I mean, save that for the tour there there are so many i mean obviously i i brought you a little sliver of like some of my favorites um and uh, i mean i could i work with about 30 to 40 different wineries in the okanagan valley and smokemoon valley that are doing it the right way so i i don't need to name any of them off but i just you know for anyone who's listening and if you're you're into that type of wine and, and natural wine. There is a beautiful movement up here and there's really, really great people doing really, really great things. And you can create this like vacation experience where it's not just about the wine, it's about creating moments with like the people that you love doing also non-wine things, if that makes sense. It's it's yeah. painfully beautiful here. It, it really is. So yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, so it's, if you it like really, pain and beauty, <laughs> this is your place. <laughs> well, you um, know, I, I like, I like you know, if I, I use this expression all the time. It's like when you have something that's so flavorful, whether it be like a food or if it's a wine, and it's so, so flavorful and it's so, so good. I call it flavor pain. Like it's so good mm. it hurts. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, like the beauty of the region is it's painfully beautiful it's stunning you you have to see it no i hear you i mean i think there's something in the concept of beauty that is sort of belied by the simple term beauty or that we don't quite capture in the the way that we usually think of beauty in in english but i think other languages capture it where it's you know there's something ephemeral about it there's something about like yeah. this thing that is yeah that is transient and passing and you you glimpse it and it you know, contained within this idea is this thing that uh, the idea of ephemerality and our mortality and everything else that goes with it, you know, because it, mm -hmm. it moves you in that way. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's what I think of <laughs> if I'm not making jokes about painful beauty. Um, <laughs> so you're at farm to glass wine tours dot CA. Correct. Wants to yes. check you out. Anything else that you, any other places that people should go to connect? Um, as in like social media or sure, it, any, yeah, or like anything other resources for for our wine industry. Anything you think, or for important. tourism, anything that I think is important. I mean, all these things are important. But um, a great resource is um, Wines of BC. Uh, has a lot of information in regards to our region and all of our wineries that are part of our amazing appellation. Um, and then if you're thinking about coming and visiting the, the region as a tourist, because you can make a really beautiful trip out of visiting the West Coast, like where I live or up in the Okanagan, um, hellobc.com is a really great resource for that as well. And uh I know we didn't touch on it that much too, but because like the Okanagan really is um, like the heart of our wine country. It's almost what, 84, 85% of all of our, our grapes grown, but the Similkameen Valley is making some really stunning, amazing wines. And it's, it's beautiful there. The Similkameen Valley is like piercingly tall, high mountains. And then this, incredibly steep valley it has various micro terroirs um the the soil there has a little bit higher like 
calcium content, there seems to be a minerality that's way more expressive in the wines from this region. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, and it's the organic capital of Canada in regards to agriculture. And, and it's, it's Where small. Is that? It, so, so if you were, say if we did like, it's west of the Okanagan Valley, but in the Southern part. So say if you're traveling from North to oh. South, you go Kelowna, and then Peachland, Summerland, Kaledon, and then in between Kaledon and Okanagan Falls, there's a little like side highway that branches off and it goes through the town of Oyala. And then you, it's honestly, the drive is just stunning. You kind of like start to come in and then all you see are like these very, very tall, steep mountains. And you're just like, this is beautiful. And then you start seeing all the fruit stands and all the markets out. And there's a handful of wineries there, um, predominantly all organic, and it's it's magical. Yeah, it's it's because like the Okanagan Valley has we're hugged by mountains, but Smeltzman Valley is like hugged by mountains. Like it's breathtaking, and there's still snow at the top right now. They're quite tall. Gets very hot there, but because of these mountains, it also gets really cool in the evenings, and it's. Yeah, they joke. I my joke is that it's the only time it's ever not windy there is when the wind is blowing from all four directions at the same time, which means <laughs> it, it's really <laughs> it's really great for farming though. It's you yeah. know, the pest. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. Go like oh, make an extra effort to go check out the Single Queen Valley as well. Um, is is that O L A L L A? Is that the word that you're mm -hmm. saying, Oyala? Yeah, yeah. Are okay. you looking at a map right now? I am. I was just yeah. trying to find it. Beautiful. Um, great. Right down there. Okay. I see it. It's all coming. <laughs> it's all coming to be now in my head. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah no, thank magic. you. I, I, I probably, I would love to do like a word count of like how many times I may have used the word magic or magical here, but <laughs> it's because it's, it's because it is, it, it, yeah. it really is, you know? Um, I say that with like the most conviction possible. It's, it's, I, don't know, I compare it to like, you know, I used to work uh, doing whale watching tours as well. And you could go out every day and you could see whales every day. But every time you see a whale, you get so incredibly excited because it's just such a thing of beauty. And that's how I feel every time I'm taking people and driving through the Okanagan to Mokumin. It's just, I do it all the time, but it's just, Every time it feels like the first time, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's just, mm. you have to see it. You have to see it to believe it. That sounds fantastic. So you have to come and I'll yeah. give you all the Pinot Gris and all the Riesling that, that you can possibly drink. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Jess. I will talk soon, for sure. Yeah, of course, definitely. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you had as much fun meeting Jess as I did. But if Canada is somewhere you already live or just visited, let me tell you about Catavino Tours, who does what Jess does, but in Portugal. For all you Canadians wanting to go on vacation anywhere but Canada, check out catavinotours.com slash OWP, and your wine adventure to Portugal can help support this podcast and be an ecologically thoughtful experience as well as a fun and delicious one. That's catavinotours.com slash OWP. Thanks for your support.